Hello, and welcome to the Real Estate Matters podcast. I'm Stuart Norton with the Alabama Center for Real Estate, and today uh, is our 100th episode, uh, believe it or not, we made it. Uh, (laughs) And today's guest is Alicia Cassidy. Alicia is an assistant professor of economics here at UA. Uh, Welcome to the show, Alicia. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, yeah, we're excited. Uh, And so here we are, it's the 5th of July when we record, be released a little bit later, but but just before we get into a little bit of your background, uh, so... uh, What'd y'all do for the fourth? What, uh, y'all in town having fun? What, what was going on there? <laughs> yeah, we uh, we went out on uh, our friend's boat on Lake Tuscaloosa. It was really fun. What about you? Uh, I actually did uh, something kind of similar. I went fishing that morning. I actually went out on the lake too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but cool amenity we have here in town, you know, the lake. I take it for granted a lot, but uh, went What'd fishing. Catch? I caught nothing, uh, but <laughs> <laughs> it was just getting on the water for an hour was pretty fun. And then we had a party at our place with some friends. So I had to get back home to help with all the sweeping and cleaning sweeping. and whatnot. Uh, and so we had some friends over and then we uh, watched some fireworks in our neighborhood and it was uh, pretty, pretty cool. So, nice. yeah, so good stuff. Uh, and so just um, just to kind of introduce uh, yourself, just tell us a little bit about your background, uh, you know, where you went to school and uh, the path that led you to your current role at UA. Great. So I went to Ole Miss for undergrad. I'm from Mississippi. After undergrad, I decided I really liked economics. So I went and I got a master's in economics at Duke University. Then I got a PhD at University of Michigan. Um, And I've been here at Alabama since 2018 as an assistant professor. Okay, wonderful. Well, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. You know, all the way from, you know, the South, you know, the deep South with Ole Miss, and then a little bit of the Atlantic coast with Duke, and then to the Midwest and Michigan, and then sort of circling back to, you know, to Alabama here. So that's great. And now what classes? uh, The weather definitely is much better here. Okay, right, Um, (laughs) right. This is definitely my preferred location. Versus, yeah, the snow and ice and all that. Versus (laughs) Michigan. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Uh, pretty summers, though, from what I hear. So. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, well, great. And so what classes do you teach? I teach intermediate microeconomics, both the regular and the honors versions. Okay. Yeah, it's really fulfilling. Awesome. Well, that's great to hear. And um, and so you've done some recent research uh, in the field of real estate. That's one reason why I wanted to have you on the show today. So just tell us a little bit about your recent research uh, and publications. Yeah, so um, I've been working on several projects related to real estate. One of them is on uh, water quality in the Great Lakes and how it impacts housing prices, Hmm. Um, and also on um, grants to clean up the areas. Um, There are these hazardous, uh, there are these areas of the Great Lakes that are designated as having, having hazardous water quality, and we're looking at uh, what the impact of giving those areas a grant to clean up is on housing prices. Um, and then I have another paper, um, other than the one I'm going to talk about today, that is on um, a different hazardous waste cleanup program and how that impacts housing prices and also whether there's any sorting across demographic dimensions that we have to consider when we're estimating the impact on housing prices. Okay. And uh, so generally speaking, like the great lakes like how polluted or not polluted are they does it vary you know from (laughs) one city to another you know good question but i'm not i'm not a scientist who's you know well briefed on the the specifics of you know variance in Mm -hmm. pollution in the great lakes i just study these policies to clean up and try to understand those impacts um and really what i'm looking at is like okay so 
our government, our federal government invests a dollar, what what's the outcome of that dollar in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, how much does that dollar impact housing prices? Right. Um, the return, I, so to speak. Right. The return to that money. Um, so I'm not looking at the specifics gotcha. of how much a dollar translates to, uh, you know, ameliorating this much pollution. Gotcha. Okay. Well, interesting. Um, yeah, because there was, was it Flint, Michigan, the water, the, the place with the water quality issue? Yes, that's uh, right. Okay. That's I, right. I'm not sure if that's near the Great Lakes or way inland, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> but it just made me think of that. Uh, so, yes. Uh, and then uh, the paper, sure. um, the most recent paper, it was about, uh, let's see, energy efficiency. Yes, that's right. All right. So, uh, so just tell us a little bit, uh, just kind of a quick summary about, uh, about that project. Yeah. So um, in that paper, I'm looking at the impacts of a mandatory energy efficiency disclosure policy on housing prices. Um, and I'm trying to figure out, uh, is it the case that uh, disclosure causes the feature, the energy efficiency features that we care about to be capitalized into the housing price. Um, And I'm looking specifically at a policy in Austin, Texas, that gave consumers Hmm. a lot of different types of information on energy efficiency. Um, So the focus of my uh, research more narrowly is trying to figure out how this information really works to increase capitalization of energy efficiency as a whole. And so what I do is I split energy efficiency into more observable and less observable elements. Um, And these less observable elements are things that people don't typically look at with their realtor when Mm -hmm. they're buying a house. And the more observable elements are things that people already knew about. Okay. Um, So... So things that people already knew about stuff like, you know, uh, whether the heater is gas or electric, uh, whereas something that people typically don't observe is something like um, duct leakage. Okay. Yes. Yeah, that would, because that's, yeah, a little difficult to detect, you know, and somebody, I, you know, I would just, I'm just thinking of it now, you know, I guess you'd have to pay someone to go take a look, you know, how efficient, right. you know, measure it somehow, uh, you know, whether it's old, because yeah, duct, uh on a similar note, my parents live in a house from, it was built, I think in the sixties in Birmingham, great house mm-hmm. and everything. But they noticed that there was like the maid would come and there was a fine layer of dust, you know, like mm-hmm. a day later. And they took a look at the ducks and it was kind of gross. It was a lot of uh, <laughs> buildup over the years. And so they in, in, had entirely new duct work put in. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. And so, and I'm sure it's way more, you know, way more efficient than the old stuff and also a lot cleaner. But For sure. uh, yeah, sorry, mom and dad. To, oh. <laughs> but I guess y'all are on the ball, though. You're maintaining, you know, you're uh, getting things fixed. Saving money. I- exactly. Yeah. And so what are some other ones? Yeah. And so like duck leakage is one that was not as much observed. What are some others that might fit that? Um, something like attic R value, where a consumer might not be completely aware of exactly how it translates to energy savings uh, would be another one um, that people might not take a look at with their realtor. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And some of the more common, I guess, you know, easily observable, like uh, windows, you know, single, double, you know, well insulated windows, which most newer houses will have. Yes, that's right. That's um, right. Yeah. You know, the, the, the stuff that's, uh makes me think of a first house I ever owned, uh, also built in the 50s in Birmingham. <laughs> and, and it would, uh, but it had the, you, you could just look and tell they were the window, the original windows. And, <laughs> but we would run the air all day and it would be pretty much 80 in the house, you know, during the summer and it would, overnight it would cool down to 72 and i blamed it on the windows it might have been the air system as well but pretty wasteful you know wasting my own money you know not to mention the energy and 
but there are plenty of buildings out there, you know, that, that are a little dated that aren't as efficient as they could be. But it, I, I, yeah. I, mean, I kind of I, I agree with you. you know, it's something that consumers, especially a certain type of consumer, is something that they're looking for. Absolutely. Uh, they, you know, they want their home to be as energy efficient as possible. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think something to really consider with these policies, which are becoming more and more prevalent in the United States, is whether they can stimulate energy efficiency investments. Because if people are not really able to observe uh, certain energy efficiency features that are important, then people might think, well, I shouldn't make that upgrade because when I sell my house, I'm not going to get that money back. I'm not going to recover that. Right. Um, so the question is, are these policies enough to, um, to capitalize in those features so that people think, well, now there's this premium to making that investment. And so I'm willing to do it Yeah, because it could be the case that people like your parents, um, that, that your parents might, you know, choose to live in their house. They maybe they think they're going to live in their house for, for a really long time. And so Mm -hmm. they, so that's worth it to them. Um, but a lot of people are only looking to live in their house for sure. like five years, realistically. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, and, that's going to be on their mind. You know, are we, am I, you know, am I, how much of this am I going to get back? Exactly. Um, or how much value will it add? You know, maybe this, you know, I'll spend 5,000, but could, maybe the, the true value might be 7,500 or even great. Right. Exactly. And, and the best example. So if nobody is looking at that, right. then people might be deterred from making those energy efficiency investments that would save them money mm-hmm. and would also uh, result in, uh, a future stream of of savings for the buyer. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where these policies come in and yeah. how they can help, I think, with with what's considered to be a market failure. Okay. And what, uh, just, uh, so the policies, uh, I know you mentioned Austin, Texas earlier. And yes. so what are uh, some of the specific policies where they're trying, or a certain type, or what are they trying to incentivize with these policies? Yeah, I think they're looking to provide consumers with information on okay. the energy efficiency features of houses. Okay. So it's just information disclosure. Mm-hmm. Um, and some, so the the policy in Austin, Texas is interesting because it provides a lot of different types of information. So it's great for like studying. Um, but there are other policies in the United States um, where they're using these like, aggregate indices that hmm. sort of predict how much energy you're going to use right. uh, when you move in. So for example, Portland has one that's based on the home energy score. And so that provides consumers with sort of a more tangible um, type of information. You know, here's the number of dollars right. that, you know, we think your bills are going to be. Okay. Um, or here's like a overall aggregate index yeah. uh, that you can use to compare houses that you're looking uh, between. Okay. Interesting. Uh, and I'm, and it sounds like, you know, these policies, a lot of these are at the, mostly at the municipal level. They are, being, exactly. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, because it would, I would imagine it would vary kind of greatly, even within one state, you know, whereas it might be a higher priority for some cities, uh, a lesser for others. Uh, but yeah. Absolutely, uh, yes. Okay. Um, and so uh, when it's time to, you know, to list and then sell a home, let's talk a little bit about energy efficiency uh, and the listing information. What did you uh, come across with uh, or what, what were your findings there? I think my main finding is that the things that are already in the listing, that are already very available in the listing, are things that the policy is not really going to have much of an impact on. Okay. Um, And that's interesting because what it says is that realtors are doing a pretty good job on these types of more observable things, on this Mm -hmm. low-hanging fruit that consumers, you know, 
are looking at, yeah. the realtors really are pointing that information out mm-hmm. and it's becoming salient. And we don't necessarily, as policymakers, need to step in there. Mm-hmm. Where we might want to try stepping in is on the features that realtors don't think consumers observe. Okay. So I did the Acre helped me to do this survey of realtors. And the purpose of the survey was to figure out, you know, which features consumers observe and which features they typically don't. Yeah. And what were some of the what were the results of that poll? Yeah. So the results of that poll were that really there's a big variance in in whether consumers observe energy efficiency features. So like it varies from about 17 percent of consumers observing something like duct R value um, to about 73 percent of uh, consumers observing something like, uh, you know, the system age. So I guess bottom line, there is a lot of uh, energy efficiency information, of course, in the listing. Uh, there yes. probably could be a little bit more, ideally. That's right. But uh, but yeah, but a good bit of that is there. And so Alabama, interestingly enough, um, you know, or caveat emptor state when it comes to buying and selling a home, you know, uh, the burden, uh, the buyer, you know, buyer beware, that pretty much says it all. You know, right. there are a few exceptions, uh, like it doesn't apply to a new home, which makes sense. You can't, you know, you should expect a new home to function properly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but Alabama being a caveat emptor state, just, you know, the, the burdens on the buyer, like many other states, I don't think we're, uh, I don't think we're too, especially for this region, I think that, that would apply to most other states. Or we're not really an outlier, I guess is what I was trying to say. But the burden, you know, generally speaking, and it's just, it's kind of like the same when you're buying toothpaste, you know, I mean, you gotta, you know, if you, if you buy the wrong stuff, it's like, well, I'm sorry, you know, <laughs> what else can we do? Of course, housing's a little different. Uh, we don't want anyone to get stuck with a house that they're, you know, no surprises or anything. But any thoughts there just on Alabama being a caveat emptor state? Yeah. The, the um, buyer's going to have to do some homework, uh, I guess. That's right. That's a really good question. I, I wonder whether it would be politically feasible in a state like Alabama with a caveat emptor to to have a mandatory energy efficiency disclosure policy. And oh. what are some cities that do have those? Uh, cities like Austin, Austin. and Portland. Um, I think uh, Ann Arbor was considering one a few years back. Uh, New York has various disclosure right. rules. I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, there 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 are quite a few, um, and it just varies what they're looking to disclose. Yeah. yeah, and I guess lining up with the you know the, the long term goals of the of the area, especially when it because I, I, I would imagine a lot of it you know just reducing carbon emissions would yes, you know because exactly. housing what is it housing or just the built environment, not just housing, but, you know, all proper, all property, I think they consume about 40% of the world's energy. I've read that somewhere. Wow. Yeah. And so it's just, uh, you know, when you think of energy, you think of cars and airplanes, but it's also residential. Yeah. Emissions. Yeah. It's houses, it's office buildings, you know, mm-hmm. uh, they all have to be heated and cooled. And absolutely generally, you know, it's insulation at the end of the day, how, how good of a job of insulating the building are you doing? Kind of makes, yeah. makes me think, uh, Makes me think of the old adobe houses in the south. That's just a, uh-huh. a, a, you know, it's a challenge that humans have been trying to solve for a long uh-huh. time. You know, I mean, the, but yeah, in the yes. southwest with the thick walls to keep the heat out, a way of kind of naturally cooling the space. Yeah. And did a podcast with some uh, guys from New York, and they're uh, they're builders and architects. It's a firm they do development and they have their in-house architects. But they were talking about it. it's a big deal in New York. You know, the, but the building envelope, you know, sealing in as much energy as possible. Because, you know, at the end of the day, you just you save money, you save resources. Yes, uh, exactly. Kind of a win win. Uh, so I guess there's a there's a tension between sort of top down policies like building codes that mandate right. 
that you have certain energy efficiency features mm -hmm. versus policies like the one I'm studying, yeah. which really just give the consumers information they need to make the, the appropriate decisions for themselves okay. and try to incentivize the, those energy efficiency upgrades more indirectly, okay. sort of a market-based approach. So yeah. really giving people information about energy efficiency in houses that they're planning on buying is is a way of using the free market to incentivize the energy efficiency um, upgrades that will pay off for consumers. Okay, and and it makes me think of uh, the last time I went and bought light bulbs. You know, <laughs> because it says like you know with the new LEDs, you know, and it costs like what four dollars or something a year versus <laughs> you know it says it on the box and it's pretty powerful because it, and again it's just uh -huh. it's similar. It's more information to help yes. me buy the right light bulb. That's you know, right. Not That's saying right. you have to buy the new light bulb that costs a little more, but just encouraging me with a little information that I'm exactly. probably better off. It's less heat, it's less energy. It's going to, you know. That's exactly the principle. And okay. I think that's powerful. I think it's a powerful yeah. principle. Um, and I think that it means that people are going to do the thing that's right for them. And that thing coincidentally could be what's right for the environment. Sure. Yeah. That's a, yeah, it doesn't have to be one or the other. Exactly. Okay. Um, and so, uh, certain types of buyers, you know, of course, you know, buyers are just incredibly diverse. We'll say, you know, <laughs> that people are looking for different things based on where they are in life, you know, uh, but I'm sure there's a certain type of buyer who, you know, energy efficiency is very important to them. And yes, definitely. Any, any, uh, any thoughts there? Yeah. You know, I, I talked to some realtors in Austin and they said, yeah, hippies and engineers love this. Um, so <laughs> I felt <laughs> yeah. that was a pretty amazing quote. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's one you don't forget. Uh, and in Austin, that's Texas, right. you probably have a little, a, a good bit of both, you know, quite oh, a few, yes, quite a few hippies, quite definitely. a few engineers. Yep. Uh, and we could throw the tech crowd maybe into that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, uh, they like the gadgets and the new stuff. And I guess it, and at the end of the day, it's just, you know, it's all about efficiency, just getting the most out of, you know, it's like spillage, you know, reducing spillage. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Just tell us a little bit about signaling models and the unraveling of the market. I just found those uh, when we were doing our brainstorming call, I found that you know, those are interesting terms. Tell me a little bit more. <laughs> Yeah. So um, I think one of the goals of these types of policies that mandate that consumers are provided information about every house that they might choose between is to avoid a signaling equilibrium. And that would be a situation where only the very best houses in terms of energy efficiency are advertising the fact that their energy efficiency is good. And there's this whole segment of the market where you don't see the energy efficiency because those houses are are houses that don't really shine particularly in that regard. Mm -hmm. um, and so consumers might not be a, a consumer that's only looking at that lower energy efficiency segment of the market might not be able to discern differences in energy efficiency between those houses. So it becomes a situation where, for example, with like Energy Star, a program like yeah. that, um, where only the Energy Star, the super green houses are advertising Energy Star. Mm -hmm. But that's not necessarily good for consumers because a lot of consumers are not even considering any house with the Energy Star designation. Okay. So having that designation is not particularly helpful for those consumers that are only looking at that lower segment of the market. So that's what I mean when I say that there could be a signaling equilibrium. A signaling equilibrium would exist in the absence of information. It would be a situation okay. where there's not much information and only those super green houses have an incentive to disclose energy efficiency information. Okay. Yeah. That's uh yeah, that totally makes sense. And just kind of continuing 
down that path a little bit, just and kind of back to your paper, actually. Um, and so what were your sources of data? I know like coming, you know, gathering the data is probably, I don't know, is that the easier or the hard part when it comes to doing major works of research like this? So actually, it was really great. The Austin Board of Realtors generously provided me with MLS data from, okay. pulled directly from the, their MLS. So mm-hmm. it's like super accurate, yeah. super clean data set that has like all these housing characteristics. And it's amazing. And they were so incredibly helpful, you know, with my paper, with understanding the policy, with understanding how realtors thought about it. Mm-hmm. And then Acre allowed me to conduct this survey of Alabama realtors to understand, try and understand what kinds of things realtors thought people observed in 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 the housing market. And that was good because it was in the absence of such a policy. So I was able to understand, okay. you know, in a state where there is no such policy, sure. you know, what is it that people are paying attention to? What mm-hmm. is it that they're not paying attention to? And how can I use those uh, use that information about what types of stuff, t- types of things they pay attention to, to understand capitalization of energy efficiency features in Austin, Texas. Okay. And yeah, I remember when y'all were, uh, I wasn't too involved with the, the problem, but I remember hearing about it. I believe you were working with uh, Sheree Moman, who's now a professor of marketing. Yes. Uh, was she it was maybe, great. yeah, was it maybe a, a last summer or the summer before, I want to yes, say, that's when right. y'all were doing that survey? Okay. Yes, she helped with the survey. Okay. Well, yeah, well, shout out to Sheree. Um, and, and Grayson uh, also helped a lot with the survey. Okay. So, yes. Yeah. Well, that, and that's an interesting comparison. Like you mentioned, you know, somewhere like Austin where it is, you know, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just a good comparison. Uh, yes, definitely. Uh, for uh, sure. With, uh, with Alabama. And so now uh, what are the advantages uh, to disclosing energy efficiency? So I think that, so do you mean from a private perspective or from a policymaker's perspective? Um, from Either. Or I guess like the city of Austin, you know, did they accomplish what they wanted to accomplish with their policy? I um, mean, I find that there is significant capitalization of energy efficiency features. So, and it's particularly so for those features that we would expect to be less observable in the absence of the policy. So I find that a standard deviation increase in less observable energy efficiency corresponds to about a $5,300 increase in housing prices. And I find that a dollar of annual savings from less observable energy efficiency is associated with a $19 increase in house prices due to the policy. So it sounds like, yeah, so at the, it sounds like your findings at the end of the day, there's a decent return on money spent mm-hmm. uh, on these select features. Yes. So yeah, well, good to hear. And, uh, and I guess, you know, just thinking more about it, it's, and it'll be interesting to see it evolve as time passes, you know, what'll, you know, what we think is new now. You know, I'm just thinking in terms of like appliances. I hear those are hard to get. I, I, I've talked to people that are building houses and it's just like, gosh, that's a lot. Not, I, I don't think I could, I've never done that. <laughs> I've always just bought existing homes, but uh, it'd be fun to do one day to build a place. But I mean, but just, this just building a house is hard enough on its own. And now you like, you know, right, wait yeah. like six months for your the refrigerator you want, you know, or even the furniture. Uh, exactly. Uh, I think I, that would be very mentally taxing to yeah. have to make all those decisions uh, on your own. Exactly. Exactly. But good stuff. I mean, I just, I'm just glad that you joined us today for this, uh, for this podcast. Uh, I want to, I'm, I'm glad that you're, you're doing, uh, and you're not the only, um, of course, a professor uh, in the business school doing uh, housing research. Uh, we also have uh, Alan Tidwell. Dr. Tidwell's done some housing mm-hmm. research recently. I think he did something about uh, let's see, it was, uh, it had to do with, um, let's see, curb appeal. And it was trying to measure curb appeal, like 
which can be hard to like put a specific metric on, you know, how much does that Yeah, impact? I think he was working on uh, that w- with Eric Johnson, who mm-hmm. is an expert on curb appeal. Okay, interesting. Yes. Yeah, and I think they did something because they used a lot of like AI, you know, like just scanning, you're like, you know, uh, what was it like Google Earth or something, but they were able to get the, you know, gather these large scans of neighborhoods. I found that, you know, mm-hmm. the method pretty interesting. Uh, and there's some other, uh, other housing. I, I can't, oh, we have a new uh, professor joining us. Uh, Benny Waller is going to, uh, he'll be teaching um, several classes in the business school. Hope to have him on for an episode, but he's uh, very big into housing. Uh, he actually has a rent index that he's uh, created that's, you know, of course, rents, you know, are just skyrocketing um, along with many other things now that we're in this era of inflation. I, guess, I don't know. Do we want to talk about inflation at all as we wrap so. it up? All right. We'll stay out of that, right? But uh, but yeah, but Benny Waller, he's a new, prof- uh, he'll be teaching his first. He's already started, you know, but yeah, uh, but, yeah but we look forward to uh, just at the center, you know, just collaborating, uh, you know, with you and other professors in the business school more. I look forward to working together. Yeah, uh, we're very excited to have uh, Dr. Waller um, over in Culver House. I think that you should interview a lot of econ professors. Absolutely. Because I think we have interesting things to say. Well, I I agree (laughs) entirely. Like I said, I'm a big fan of economics. And so, uh, but yeah, I think Mike Price might be next. I don't know, Mike, if you're listening, but uh, we'll see. (laughs) Good luck, uh, Mike. All right. Well, so any final thoughts as we kind of wrap it up here today? Not really. All right. <laughs> well, that, yeah. Well, I hope. Um, thank you for joining us. Did you enjoy it? Was it all right? Thank you. I did. Good. Well, great to hear. Thanks all so right. much for having me. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. This has been the Real Estate Matters Podcast produced by the Alabama Center for Real Estate. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, Podbean, or just ask Alexa to play the Real Estate Matters Podcast.